When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Batter up. Welcome back to A Pot of Their Own. This is episode 98 of A Pot of Their Own. I am Allison McCaig, and I am joined this week by my lovely co-hosts, Linda Sarovich. Hello, Linda. Hey, Allison. And Maggie Wigan. Hello, Maggie. Hi, Allison. So the Mets have, uh, since we last declared them toast last week on the podcast, uh, they remain toast. Um, they are now burnt toast. I am sending this toast back to the kitchen and starting over. It's pretty damn toasty in here um, yeah so they they attempted to claw their way back to non-toast they attempted to reverse the toasting process um by sweeping the decimated nationals which was pretty fun you know they three games swept they like woke up a little bit it kind of showed i mean i know the nationals are bad but like you know they couldn't beat the marlins so at least it was a step forward in the sense that they like took care of a bad team when they should have um, but then they were promptly outclassed and swept by the Dodgers in like totally convincing fashion. I mean, they lost the first two games in extra innings. So those were competitive games, but they were backbreaking losses. And then in the final game, they got completely blown out in a lopsided loss that I'm sure Carlos Carrasco would rather forget. Um, and then they lost the first game of the Giants series last night. We are recording this on Tuesday night before because they're on the West Coast. They have not yet resumed. They have not yet played the second game of the series. Um, that will start in about 20, 25 minutes. Um, but they lost the first game in, you know, pretty convincing fashion. They did the thing where they like tried to come back in the late innings and didn't. Um, so but yeah, like last week I had the toast in the toaster ready to go. 
the toaster was on, but now it's popped out. There, there, it's it's it's, it's legit a- toast. <laughs> the toast is done. The toast uh, is done. Yes. The toast is done, and it's like overdone. No yeah. one likes. No one likes this much toast. No one no. likes. No one likes, especially when it's that crusty and you know what? And black burnt toast. So there you go. The black jerseys are burnt toast, (laughs) burnt toast jerseys. Um, (laughs) If you keep stretching like that, you're going to pull a hamstring. (laughs) Haven't you been watching the Mets? No, I haven't actually. (laughs) No, me neither. What's the sad thing is, is that I can't even keep doing that bit where I blame the black jerseys for everything because they wore the home blues for like the first fucking time all season and they what? lost that game too. Are you kidding? Yeah. They, they have not worn the home blues the like at all. Barely at all. I, I don't know. I'd have to look that. it up. I have no idea how much they've actually worn them, but in, but I don't think they've worn, they've worn the away blues a few times. Okay. But I, I have not seen them wear the home blues and they wore them the day that Carrasco pitched. And I remember because I remember being like, Ooh, he looks really good in the home blues. And I love the orange belt. Cause he was wearing the everyone orange belt. looks good in the home blues. Yes. That is exactly. one of their primary appeals. Um, but no, the Mets ability to lose baseball games transcends who's playing them. It transcends the Jersey the, color, the weather, the Jersey color, um, August is the new June, folks. August yep. is the new June. Um, it's the not Mets, pretty. The Mets are now a season high, three and a half games back in the NL East, and they are four. Uh, they are at five hundred for the first time since May. So things are not looking good, and like it's not like things are improving with the schedule. It's not like okay, you know, we we're playing the we played the Dodgers once, and we we just have these two Giants games left, and then we play the Marlins and the Nationals, and the Marlins and the Nationals again. Like it is not that they're playing the Dodgers and the Giants again right after this. If this stretch was just like this week with this two these two series, I'd be like, okay, like yeah, they might bury themselves kind of deep, but they could go on a run and get. Get back in it, but they're going to be by the time they get to the easy part of the schedule again, they might be like six games back. So I don't know. Seems pretty impossible at this point. Go like, ahead and embarrass us, Mets. But please, I mean, yeah, season, they can do it. But... Terrible. I am not feeling good about anything they have to offer. They lost their best position player and their best pitcher, and it has been garbage ever since. So prove me wrong, Mets. Shut my mouth. Yep. And on the on the injury front, speaking of that, Jacob deGrom's still not throwing and keeps getting various opinions from various doctors, but no, but not a diagnosis from any of them. So to be we don't, fair, all of the opinions do seem to be, wow, that's fucked up, but not in a way that we can describe. Right. So it's kind of the <laughs> same opinion. No one seems to know what's wrong with him, which is not never good. Um, it's so, just inflammation. It just and hurts. That'll go away and magically in two weeks. It just hurts and he can't throw until it stops hurting and it hasn't stopped hurting. So he's not throwing. That's really all there is to it. Um, but, you know, it's getting to the point where even if he resumes throwing tomorrow, like it's going to be a whole throwing program. It's going to be rehab. It's going to be like he won't be back until the very end of the season when it's too late. And at that point, he might be a reliever anyway. And like, so what's the point? Yeah, they think they said he can't throw for two weeks still. And that yeah. was from and that was his... how long ago? I mean, that was I like think... 
couple. It was recent. Like if anything, it was the weekend. So it's not like yeah. I think it was over the weekend. So it's like he can't throw at least until like next week. Just ugh. Just Um, shut him. I mean, not okay. Don't just shut him down. But but like really soon, just shut him down. Yeah, Yeah. really soon. It gets to the point where like him coming back this season isn't worth it. If he can't get started back up in the next week plus. I mean, what are you going to get out of him a week of pitching in exchange for, you know, I mean, it's because he has to ramp up. It's going to take him forever to get back into game shape. You don't want to rush it. Like, it's not about this year anymore. I just really miss Jake. I know. There's so much less fun without Jake. I'm telling you that they held on. They treaded water until they lost Jake and Lenore. Like, that was it. That was was their whole team. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think anybody really... I mean, obviously, they're both good, although Lindor hadn't really performed up to his career numbers, but, like... He was starting to. Yeah, he was. And and just the the sway, the, the... the hold they had in the clubhouse that, you know, I, I think we really, even knowing how, you know, how great leaders they both are, you know, all of us, I think underestimated what a blow that would be. It's, it's been awful. Well, it also meant like, that's gotta be a mental blow. Like when, you know, Jake's on the mound, you're like, that's our ace. We're going out we're kicking ass today. But then when you have Rich Hill on the mound, you're not going to have that same mentality. Like as much as you prepare and as much as athletes say we compete no matter what, there's still got to be that something extra when Jake is on the mound. Like his teammates always were like in awe of him. Like Edwin Diaz had mentioned something. Stroman always mentioned. Stroman's like a kid on Christmas every time to grump. Yeah, like to tie Walker. So like Trevor May has said something. So there has to be like it hasn't affected you whether you want to admit it or not. Like we all see it. Like there's a difference. There's a buzz in the stadium. Jake pitches. So it's gotta be somewhat of a letdown every fifth day when he's not there. Yeah. And I mean, well, you Taiwan don't have to Walker. no, that too. And Taiwan Walker gave an ACE level performance in his most recent outing. And guess what the Mets did? They gave yeah. him the Jake treatment and didn't score for him. So there you go. I mean, he was, pitching against, yeah. he was pitching against Walker Bueller, arguably now the best pitcher in the National League now that DeGrom doesn't have a sufficient, like, sufficient innings to qualify for the Cy Young. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just, it feels really hopeless. And like, it's not just DeGrom and Lindor, it's Javi Baez is on the IL with back spasms. So the newest bet yep. that they got to, re- the shortstop they got to replace their injured shortstop is injured now. Um, and they have a, one parentheses, one player on the roster who is capable of playing shortstop, and that is Jonathan VR. So that's not a good place to be in. Um, Drew Smith is on the IL with shoulder soreness, uh, which is, you know, I mean, it's a blow to the bullpen, no question. Like he he's had a good year, but it's more just like a like, damn, that sucks. Because like Drew Smith has come worked really hard to come back from Tommy John surgery. And then he started the season on the injured list um, with, I think also a shoulder problem. Um, And he worked really hard to come back from those injuries. And he's like, finally, you know, settling in for the first time, getting like an extended look and, and he's done a really good job. And now he's on the injured list again. It freaking sucks. Um, And whoever replaces him as as we've already seen uh, is inferior. So that's not good. Um, and Tomas Nito is on the IL as well with a sprained thumb. That seems like it's going to be relatively minor, but 
still, yeah, yeah. Patrick Mazika is our backup catcher again. Not an ideal situation. Um, so yeah, like things are not going well. Lindor is is progressing it seems like i mean it was pretty cool because noah syndergaard threw a simulated game to francisco Lindor today which was pretty cool to see um i think that they trotted that out there mostly for the media's benefit um but you know it was still cool anyway but Lindor was only swinging from the right side which is still not encouraging they had said that he was swinging from both sides in batting practice but he wasn't suddenly um, against Syndergaard. So you're kind of like, how close is he actually? And he keeps saying, I'm not going to need a rehab assignment. And you're like, will you? Yeah. Will not? <laughs> so I don't know. I, I mean, vote rehab assignment. He's like know. alive. There's like evidence of him being alive and like doing a baseball activity. But <laughs> I don't know. I don't know about the no rehab assignment stuff. I don't know how much that mm. is just him being like, hey, guys, I don't need a rehab assignment, right? And the Mets being like, <laughs> but I don't know. So like he might come back eventually. And Noah Syndergaard is probably going to come back eventually, barring another setback. But again, he's he's coming back late enough in the season where like you have to question whether he's going to be, you know, a significant contributor in the rotation in any way. He's probably going to be in the bullpen. Um, which is nice, no doubt, but it might be too little too late at that point. The Mets are going to be really far out of it by the time they get those guys back. It just, it just, it was all just too much to overcome. Like, I think, you know, it would have been fine if Syndergaard and Carrasco had never had their setbacks. Like, maybe they could have survived, but the setbacks on top of Jake getting hurt it was just, it just became too much. And then Rich Hill was just a healthy body, but I don't, he's not an answer. Yeah. Like he was, he was just a stopgap. So I don't know. It just it, like, yeah, they were a fun story for a while of like the replacements and stuff. But at some point you also need your regulars to step up and none of them have done that. Yeah. That's been the huge problem. Is yeah. That, like, even once, I mean, so everyone was healthy in April, pretty much, and they didn't open up a lead like they should have. They, in fact, played pretty mediocre baseball in April and couldn't score at all. And that's been the problem mm-hmm. all year, but it was especially pronounced in April because everyone was healthy. They could not score at all. And then a bunch of people got injured, and then they kind of got healthy again before, before like, Lindor and DeGrom went down. Like, they, they got their guys back, basically, and they still didn't hit. And yep. <laughs> they still didn't hit. They they have not hit even during the brief periods where everyone's been healthy. So like it, the injuries, yes, I'm not saying that the injuries have not been a factor. That would be crazy, a crazy thing to say. It's been a huge factor. But even when they've all been healthy, the regulars have not stepped up. Like Pete Alonso is having an okay season, like pretty good. Not, not 2019 Pete Alonso, but still pretty good. Above average hitter, a good season with power. Conforto is having a terrible season. McNeil is having a very not good season. Brandon Nimmo's having a pretty much a Brandon Nimmo season, but without, without any power, power. without yeah. any power yeah. at all. Like he has three home runs. Like that's, I know that he's the leadoff hitter and his job is to get on base and he's done that, but three home runs, that's not good. No one's hitting home runs besides Pete Alonso. Nobody. Jonathan VR has the second most home runs, I think. Which yeah. is. Dom Smith has also, and I, I say this with sadness in my heart because I love Dom. Um, he looks awful. He is not having awful a good season. Most of the season. He can only hit lefty, shockingly enough. Yeah. 
And yeah. it's just like, and, and JD's hit the ball pretty well when he's been healthy, but he missed a huge part of the season. Um, and so it's just, and J- Jonathan VR, I would say has performed above expectations, but he is a bench player who was playing at, who is playing every single day all year. Out of position, though. <laughs> and out of position, various positions, because he's played third and he's played short and he's played second. He's played everywhere this season. And so it's just like, I don't know, well, like they really needed they needed Conforto and McNeil to play better. They needed Nimmo to do his Nimmo thing, but not be hurt for two months. Like, and they just haven't done that. There was that S&Y article that came out today saying that, you know, if they don't contend, maybe they should just like not blow the team up, but um, make some legitimate changes. And yeah, it might just be time to move on from a bunch of like for whatever reason. It's just it's not clicking. Like Conforto might be time to say you know try your hand somewhere else and we got to try something fresh because he had five years to give it a go and nothing materialized yeah I mean, yeah I I love Conforto and I think he'll be a lot better than he was this season but I'm sort of ready to to move on I am too yeah and I and I know like we've had this conversation with our friend Thomas Henderson in Slack a lot like Thomas has said and he's not wrong about this he said like you can't keep running this same team out over and over and expect something different to happen and he's right like they can't they can't keep doing this like they have Lindor for the next decade great they have you know DeGrom's hurt right now but you know that he's he's still got another year before he can opt out um Pete, Pete is obviously going to be around. For Pete's going to be around. Yeah, Pete's fine. Um, and so, like, you've got those guys that are your guys, but like the rest of these, uh, like, you know, sort only, of fringe guys. The only pending free agent that I want to sign to an extension right this second is Marcus Stroman. Marcus Stroman. There is there is really no one else. I mean, I and I guess like I would like to keep Javi Baez around just because I think. He seems like a good fit for the Mets infield. I don't know that he would be as expensive as some other options given his strikeouts and injuries, which granted are problems in general, but like, you know, I would like to have him around. You know, I think the Mets should probably, unless he gets worse, offer Conforto the the qualifying offer, but which like, he will take. I mean, he'll take it. Yeah, they offer probably. It, he'll take it, and then you're spending twenty million dollars yeah. on Conforto. No, I don't know. I, know. I don't know I don't if they know. even should. Yeah, it's just hard when their um when their drafts have been so hammered. But I know. That's like you know, that's that's a problem from an, another problem. Like that's their yeah. problems are creating problems for their problems. Right. And uh, the Confor- <laughs> I mean, the Conforto the Conforto qualifying offer issue is that like. A, I like, so on one hand, I don't feel super comfortable tying up that much money in one player when he just hit 200 the year before. Um, but on, on the other hand, if you look at the free agent market, it is extremely underwhelming in every aspect, not just in outfield. Although like, you know, when you talk about Conforto's potential replacement, you've got what, like Starling Marte? That's and like Castellanos. Mick Castellanos. Yeah. Like, well, and he's going to, because he's the best option out there. He's going to get like six years or something. I know. Yeah. And it's just like, 
So who are you placing, replacing Conforto with? I, I don't know the answer to that. It's like, hmm, maybe you should have sh- signed a guy named George Springer. I don't know about that. Like, I know I know George Springer's been hurt. I know. I know, listener, I can hear you screaming. Um, George Springer's been hurt, yes. But, like, in 40 games, he's hit more home runs than any met na- not named Pete Alonzo. So, hmm. Yeah, they could have racked up a couple more wins in the time he would have been <laughs> Play. Exactly, exactly. And also what pisses me off too is they're saying, well, in the offseason, we need a third baseman and an outfielder. You needed a third baseman and an outfielder last year, and now we have these same problems. You yeah, and you this. just didn't fix it, yeah. and now we just you have to yeah. do it again. We have these same things, and there was a third baseman and an outfielder both available last year, and you did nothing. And there you was a third baseman available in trade that they chose not to trade for who just hit a home run against them last night. Yep. Good going. Been, yeah. Like they very easily could uh, like this fact that they didn't even bother with Nolan Arenado was still like <laughs> the Rockies are paying the Cardinals to take Nolan Arenado. Why was that not worth a phone call? I don't know. Man. Well, and they're not going to be having very many phone calls this off season because the farm system is even more garbage than it was before. Yep. Because and you lost out on your first round draft pick, so you don't have him in your farm exactly, now. exactly. It is, a and they mess. already traded all their picks. They like their first round pick in what 2019 was Kalinick. Their yep. their other I forget what year it is. Their other first round pick was Pete Crow Pete Armstrong. Crow Armstrong. Who they yep. traded. So how many? Well, you don't have your first round picks anymore. You three got years, rid of both of them. three years in a row. Three they drafts in a row. First pick, no yeah. first round picks. That yeah. that's not easy to do, um, but you know what? That kind of Mets find a way. Who I think their number one hole to fill is GM. Yeah, they, yep. they've just got a clean house, and Sandy Alderson has to go. I get you Absolutely. wanted like the kind of old school baseball guy to like ease the transition. Well, the transition is done. It. Was and fine. it didn't go so well. It, tra- it transitioned. It transitioned. <laughs> so it's time to like, and you know, and and I kind of got a lot of people's heckles up when I was saying a couple days ago that I kind of think Rojas should be on the chopping block too, potentially. But the fact is we got a GM and a manager who neither of them was actually intended to be hired for their jobs. They yeah. were backup guys because they screwed up with the first ones <laughs> yep. in very different ways. And like, I mean, you give your backup guy a chance, but you don't, don't move don't mountains them to keep job. these guys around. Like this, these are, this is not where you should be putting your concern into like preserving the burgeoning careers of Luis Rojas and Zach Scott. Like they are not, you know, these should not be high priority guys for the Mets to keep around. They need to be looking for someone better and trying to fill, I mean, lots of holes, but I, I don't think they can go into next season with the same leadership team and expect anything different. I agree. I agree. Um, yeah. So things are not good with the Mets. I don't feel good about it. I you know, I will like I like I I think I said this last week, but I I'm going to keep watching the games because I have a brain disease. But like I, I know it's one of those things where it's like I've already I've kind of reached reached acceptance on it. Like it's over. It's another lost season. I'm used to this. I'm just going to watch the games in the lost season now because what can you do? 
Um, <laughs> I hope they prove me wrong. They still have a chance to. They can. They can start winning some games. They're not that far back. It's just the competition is very stiff right now, and they're playing teams that are much better than them, and they're just going to get their butt kicked every day for the next two weeks, and then it's going to be too far out to try to claw back. Shame. And of course, the only reason we're even able to have this conversation is because the rest of the NL East is absolute garbage. Yep, and we're still not going to win the garbage division full of garbage. Well, they couldn't... be the Braves, probably. They couldn't make it when literally every team made the playoffs last year. Like if there's a way the Mets will find the opposite direction. Yep. (sighs) Like, you know, the two roads diverge in the wood, like the Mets go, they, they go their own way. They go back. They turn around and they go back away from the (laughs) divergence based to where they they came from. They They go God. They stepped off the path for a second and they didn't realize there was actually kind of a steep drop. (laughs) and have now tumbled into the brambles and their hiking boots are caught on something. And it was also poison (laughs) ivy. Oh, God. God. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Speaking of things that make me want to sit in a, like, I don't know, an Epsom salt bath or whatever. Um, Trevor Bauer. Oh, (laughs) God. So there are there are updates on the Trevor Bauer situation of which there are. There's actually a lot of updates. Um, So we'll start with uh, the fact that there's new reporting from The Washington Post. um, And I am not sure if this is like what the Pasadena police were referring to when they said that this investigation was much bigger than they anticipated because there has still not been an arrest or charges. Um, They are still conducting their investigation, as is MLB. So there's been no punishment handed down by MLB, but I think MLB is watching these hearings and is going to make their decision based on that. Um, But anyway, there's been new reporting from the Washington Post um, about an Ohio woman who had previously filed a protective order against Bauer last year in 2020. So this is a different woman from the woman who is currently in court um, accusing Bauer of, of assaulting her. This is a different woman who also filed a protective order against Bauer for sexual assault um, in 2020. Um, so, you know, it's, it's a pattern, <laughs> obviously, at this point. There's now more than one victim here. Um, and I think we have very little detail about yeah, this we don't other know report very much, at really all. nothing at all. It's, it's all been quiet until now, but we do know that it exists. Yeah. This protective order exists. She felt the need to file it. Um, so something spurred her to file it. 
um, of course, in the aftermath of this reporting. And so like this whole time, this entire time, even since the first allegation came out a while ago, Bauer has been surprisingly silent. Um, Usually, I mean, like normally that's not surprising. Usually whoever is accused of whatever shuts the hell up for a while and goes away um, because they hope they can just go away and it'll blow over, which most of the time that works, sadly. Um, But in the case of Trevor Bauer, we know he can never shut the hell up about anything ever. Um, So it was kind of surprising that he wasn't tweeting through it the whole time. Uh, But he managed not to. I guess his lawyers managed to keep the keep a lid on him this whole time. Um, But he did break his silence after this second accusation. Um, He issued a statement that categorically denied the accusations of the Ohio woman and basically like painted her as like a crazy fan going after him. Like he said, like, I have all the texts. Look at all these like string of text messages where I'm not returning the messages as she's just sending me a bunch of texts in a row. Um, more or less. And also he got really mad at the Washington Post saying that they were like digging into every aspect of his life and attempting to contact hundreds of female friends. And it's like, yes, buddy, that is what journalism is. They did investigative journalism. Thank you for pointing that out. Well done. Well done at identifying journalism. Thank you. Um, So, yeah, Um, we like Maggie said, we know very little detail about this, um, but it, it did it did cause Bauer to break his silence and issue this statement. Um, not only did that's Bauer- always been his MO, though, was to always say they're all after me. Like even when that was his defense, when people people tweeted me things at him, like they started it. They're all after me. Like he always paints himself as the victim. Always. Um And it's like, despite like, and you know, when he was harassing the college student online, it's like, oh, well, she started it by saying something nasty about me. And it's like, yeah, but she's a college student and you're a grown ass man and a professional baseball player. Like you can just ignore it (laughs) instead of like, you know, getting it, getting into like a two day, like flame war with her. Um, Yeah. Disproportionate response. Exactly. Extremely disproportionate response. It's like, it's like if she like punched him lightly in the shoulder and oh, I won't go into it. That's <laughs> yeah. but anyway, yes. Disproportionate response. Yeah. And yeah, that was the first clue. There's just something not right with him. I mean, yeah, like, like we've been saying on every podcast about when we yeah. ta- have to talk about Trevor Bauer, like women have been more war- non-men, I should say non-men have been warning you about this about precursors to more dangerous behavior and those warnings went unheeded and now we are where we are um so speaking of you know other women uh rachel luba also tweeted in the aftermath of this of this ohio woman's accusation so she like kind of quote tweeted trevor bowers statement and said, you may not like this. And as a female, it was a tough reality I had to accept, but this is not uncommon when it comes to celebrities. This is yet another example of how people abuse the temporary DVRO process in hopes of gaining publicity slash money. So our, our, you know, our uh, woke girl boss queen is out here painting this victim as a gold digger trying to gain publicity and money from, you know. Well, it's interesting given that she filed for the order of protection a year ago and it didn't come out until just now. Exactly. If she's, if she's doing it for the publicity, she's really bad at it. Yeah. Yeah. 
And worth noting that these like that even this hearing that the California woman is going through right now, this is not a civil as as Cheryl pointed out when she was on the podcast. This is not a civil hearing for a settlement. That is not what this is about. So if you're going to accuse a victim of money grabbing, this is not the process you go through to to get money. She's not she's not asking for a settlement. She's not suing him for damages. She's not suing him. She is trying to get her the protect the temporary protective order extended to be permanent. So all this is is just a hearing so that to see, make sure that he can't contact her legally. That's all this is right now. I mean, it might end up being something else later, but that's all it is right now. Um, so you know, so much for the like. Well, he has a female agent because, as we've said on this podcast many times before, women can uphold the patriarchy too, and they can especially do it when it benefits them. Well, we saw this. Yeah, we saw this also with Cuomo's administration, too. Absolutely. Like, they surround themselves with women who will keep them in power. And that's all Rachel was. And she was used as a prop so he could get away with his crap. Yep. And well, and she's still and she's still serving that role. And, you know, I mean, it's been, you know, to date, it has been a successful one for her but it's you know not looking great but we'll see and you know we saw it with the Mets as well when the Mets were embroiled in these various scandals when it comes to Jared Porter and Mickey Calloway and the and the general culture in the Mets front office who was one of the nightmare figures in this whole scenario the HR person who was a woman who didn't Mm -hmm. take anybody seriously when they talked about the, the toxic culture in the Mets front office like this is you know it's the it's the like pick me mean girl scenario yep. and you know this is exactly why and I we're not I'm not going to harp on this topic all that much because we talked about it last week but this is why the barstool stuff is so upsetting too because the constant defense of that is well their CEO is a woman it's like the, a who woman. cares mm-hmm. that doesn't yep. mean anything to me it doesn't mean that they're not a frat boy stew of toxic masculinity and awful racism and homophobia and terrible things just because their CEO is a woman. Women he- can also be racist and homophobic and abusive. Yep. Because it, it directly benefits her. They're making her money. So why is she going to why is she going to tell them no? What's that, from this. what's that viral tweet that kills me every time someone someone like posts a screenshot of it or, or quote to, or like posts it in response to things like this it's like support all women no some of you bitches be dumb as hell <laughs> <laughs> like, i mean it's true yeah like, there's also the one it was like it was during the the one of the border crisis during the trump administration it was like um close down the the concentration camps hire more female guards yeah hire more female guards exactly like it's just it's just not a defense to point to bowers to point to bowers female agent or to point to barstool's female ceo that is not a defense of their terrible actions at all um but so the other like big aspect of the Bauer stuff is that not only is there this new um, this new victim involved, but there's also the the hearing um, 
for the first victim, the California woman is underway and we've had the first two days of testimony from it. Um, And like I said, this is not a criminal proceeding. This is just a proceeding to decide whether um, whether the uh, restraining order against Bauer will become permanent is and he can't contact her, I think, for like five years. I think it is under the California law. Um, so there may eventually be criminal proceedings. And it's clear, you know, when you have a, you know, someone of this notoriety, someone, a celebrity, something like that, you have all these high powered lawyers in the in the room for what's usually a relatively like minor court proceeding um they're clearly using this as a dry run for a potential criminal trial um but there are not yet criminal charges so we'll see on that front but there have there has been the first day and second day of testimony um the details of the first day came out and that was when you know the woman spoke mostly about the the sexual encounters i'm not going to read all the details because there's massive content warnings on it i i can post the article to it for folks who are interested in seeing the details of what she had to say but it's it's pretty terrible i'll just read like a choice quote i didn't say anything to him he didn't say anything to me it was like i was a rag doll i was i was scared of him i was in so much pain so it's just really awful to read the testimony i read most of it and it was chilling and terrible and nauseating um but yeah so so that was uh that was most of the first day and cheryl ring um uh wrote up an article um that i will link um, ab- about what we learned from day one of the proceedings. And she has much more detail um, in that than what we're going to go into here. But, you know, there's there's a whole nother day or two uh, of testimony. But this was mostly the detail, the details from the woman herself um, about what happened to her. Meanwhile, um, the second day of the hearing was the cross-examination of her by Bowers' representation, um, which was interesting um you know they i don't i'm not a lawyer so (laughs) i can't pretend to know like whether their strategy is quote good in the sense that it's helpful to bauer the guy that they're supposed to be representing but i will say that looking at it from an outsider perspective it seemed to be a bit all over the place um there was a lot of slut shaming i'll say that because they talked to her about other relationships that she's had with other players um, and asked her. Which about I'm sure them. they love to getting out. Right. Right. So the, like in it, it, that was interesting to me because so they, they, you know, it was a slut shaming tactic. Clearly it's like, look at all these other players who she slept with and she, you know, she was honest. She didn't deny it. Like there was, you but, know, a con- but you notice she doesn't have restraining orders against, against either any of, them. of them. Exactly. And that's why I found the tactic confusing because, okay, yeah. I get what you're getting at with trying to slut shame her and make her seem like not a credible it witness. Is the classic sexual assault victim technique of just like, oh, well. Blame the victim. Yeah. She's promiscuous. She likes to dance very close to other men. She's promiscuous. She asked for this. She's a whore. She was drinking, which, you know, is the other thing that um, yeah, she was actually, her, her lawyer brought it up because, you know, it's, it's always good to have that come out in a, the, the examination with your own lawyer, which is that, um, you know, that she has a history of alcoholism and it was like really smart that they kind of defanged that a little bit because, you know, that would have been, you know, anything to just make them seem like untrustworthy 
And, you know, like they would have been embarrassed to buy something and just done this to, to make up for it. Like it's, it's, it's the same every time. Yeah. Yeah. And obviously, but obviously as any rational person knows how many, who she slept with and how many people she has slept with has no bearing on whether Trevor Bauer assaulted her. And, you know, like bringing that up and doing this, you know, line of questioning also kind of undermines their gold digger argument that they have been trying to present this whole time that she is just out here for money. Like, like what Lubo is tweeting that Mm -hmm. they're just out here for money and notoriety and fame, because why doesn't, why didn't she accuse Fernando Tatis Jr. of sexual assault? Why did she not accuse the other players that she had relationship with? Yeah. Mike Clevenger is another player that was named. Um, why did she not accuse any of these other men of sexual misconduct then? Um, like, I don't know what, like, it's kind of a double-edged sword of them going this way. Like, I don't actually know whether this makes Bauer look better or worse. I think it's worse, but I, you know, again, I'm not a lawyer, so I don't know. But does the public think that though? Yeah. And I know I I was talking to Jarrett Seidler about this a little bit because Jarrett has a law background and he was saying like, this is, you are not the audience for this. The audience for this is, you know, white man juror. And I was like, you're right. (laughs) Yeah. You know, Um, like the old conservative white male, like scandalized by this promiscuous woman. Yeah, exactly. So if like, that's the angle then I can see it. But I also, you know, see how it undermines the she's just out there for money and fame argument because she could have she had an opportunity to seek that out with these other players. Um, But the other kind of odd thing that they did um, is that. So this is, again, thanks to Cheryl tweeting this. Otherwise, I wouldn't have known about it. But um, Cheryl at one point tweeted. Bowers attorney Sean Hawley is literally arguing right now that Bowers three rules of dating in Sports Illustrated were a legally binding agreement. Oh, Jesus. They're trying to talk about how, like, this is not a legitimate relationship because Bauer had these rules. And so I guess then that makes assault okay somehow. I I have no idea what their end game is here with this, but they're, they're trying to emphasize that like, you know, Trevor Bauer had these rules for dating. Like they weren't actually involved because Trevor Bauer doesn't want to be involved with anybody and doesn't have emotional connections with people. It's like, yeah, uh, he's a sociopath and (laughs) way to help your argument. Good job. Um, And then uh, Cheryl quote tweeted that previous tweet and said, now Holly is accusing the accuser's history of being a Padres fan, including a relationship with Padres player constitutes bias evidence. And she said, I mean, I guess. So it's basically like, not only did she sleep with these other players, but they're Padres players and she's a Padres fan. So this is all psyops to like undermine oh the Dodgers. <laughs> this is Are a really, kidding? really weird remake of Bull Durham. <laughs> like what the hell? Oh my god. I, I I'm curious. I didn't think that Brian De Palma was the right man for this movie, but it is starting to come together. So that was like wild. Is that they're basically saying like she's a Padres fan, so she wants to bring down Trevor Bauer and the Dodgers. It's like, wow, you're ascribing a lot of power to this one woman. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. Like this one I, I, woman I, single-handedly destroyed the World Series champion Dodgers. The, the Dodgers. I have no words for like I I guess you have to his lawyers have to defend the indefensible, but 
which you don't have to do, by the way. You don't have to defend no. someone just because they can afford your legal fees. By legal the way. fees, yeah. But uh, and these are like fancy, expensive celebrity lawyers. Like, by the way, both her, both her team and Bowers. Like, these are high-profile attorneys on both sides of the, on uh, both sides of this case. Which is another reason why it's like you know clearly a you know a dry run for a criminal proceeding because again and Cheryl could talk about this more she knows more than we do about this but like my understanding is that these like these restraining orders that happen in family court usually like there aren't even huge legal teams present it's just like the one person just like says hey can you extend this restraining order here's all the things that this dude did to abuse me and the judge is like yeah okay or no that's not enough evidence like it's not this big, like, digging into everyone's history on both sides and all this stuff. It's like they're clearly doing it because it's a celebrity. I so. just, yeah, the whole thing is, it's, it's, it was entirely predictable. And it just makes me sad that this is what it's come to. And even now, there's still people defending him, even after everything that's come to light. And it's like, you know, this is as bad as, or almost as bad as it gets. And there's still, well, what's going to change? Like, what's what? What's the outcome of this? Like, I just don't get, like, what's in it for you to continue to defend Trevor Bauer? At this exactly. Point? You, like, I get what's in it for Rachel Luba. I don't understand yeah. what's in it for you, random guy in my mentions. Like, <laughs> like, what is in it for you? What do you gain from continuing to be like, how dare you? Yeah, like, <laughs> I would take him on my team. Like, no. Wait, wait. I, don't, I, don't I mean, the sad thing is, the sad thing is they want permission. Yeah, mm. they see themselves in him. They're like, maybe someday, maybe someday I will want to strangle that girl. And I want to make sure I have the right to do that. And I'm I'm sure very few of them actually like think it out that clearly, but they, you know, there's a like, oh yeah, that seems reasonable. Yeah. There's a certain level of identifying with like, oh wait, she slept with other guys. Like, why am I, you know, why am I worried about her feelings? It's there. It's these little bits of of dehumanization that just creep in and get worse. And it's like, and again, it's like, I made that tweet about Barstool and I got like troves and troves of people snitch tagging, calling me names and all sorts of stuff. And it's like, it's, it's really sad how you're just proving my point that this is, that this is indicative of the culture of Barstool and the culture of Barstool and the entire and the culture that MLB has decided that it endorses by, you know, breaking bread with Barstool it is the type of culture that upholds abusers like Trevor Bauer and dismisses online harassment, which Bauer did before these sexual assault allegations came to light, dismisses that behavior as not dangerous then, you know, this is what happens. And we've been trying to say it. And, you know, by saying by saying this is dangerous behavior and this is the type of behavior Barstool upholds, then the trolls come into my mentions and do online harassment and don't understand the irony of that. It's like, this is literally what I'm saying. Thank you. <laughs> like, I, I don't want to take anything away from Kimming because she's incredible and has worked very hard to get 
where she got and it was long overdue. But at the same time, it seemed like baseball used her and said, this is it. Like, we finally broke the glass ceiling for women. But in the same offseason, you had Porter. Now you have Trevor Bauer. You have pretty much Mickey Calloway. Um, you had Ozuna. Um, so it seems like MLB thinks Kimming is enough. And this is just kind of extracurricular that they don't want to deal with. Like, if they really wanted to, you know, be a champion for women, there would have been zero tolerance for Mickey Calloway. There would have been zero tolerance for, for Bauer. And there wasn't. And it's... You know, they said, you know, this behavior is not acceptable. Um, and we'll, you know, when the, everything came out about Mickey Calloway, yet they only suspended him for a year or two years. And then he can reapply for a reinstatement. That's not a lifetime ban. And I mean, to prove your point about Kim Ng, like on the the Barstool tweet I did, just because I'm I'm just using it as an example because it got a lot of attention. So I got a lot of replies and a lot, just a lot of engagement in general, both positive and negative. But even people who are well-meaning, like one of the quote tweets I got was, where's Kim Ng on this issue? It's like, it is not Kim Ng's responsibility no. to talk about Barstool. Mm-mm. She is the GM of the Miami Marlins. It is not the one, one parentheses, one woman one high rank, high ranking woman in a front office. It is not her responsibility to gut check the league on this. It is not. I'm sorry. No. Like you can't just. Oh, what? A, where's the woman? Get, <laughs> get, where's the woman? Get her. Give me the woman. Give me quick, the woman. I'm just like quick. We need two X chromosomes. Stat. Stat. It's like I can't. I like that blows my goddamn mind that that is where your mind goes with this It is not kim ing's responsibility to tell mlb they shouldn't be partnering with barstool she's the gm of the marlins that's her job but that's what mlb is telling you though yeah no that's the message mlb is sending so like i don't blame this person for thinking that but no like that's insane (laughs) that's insane of course people are gonna believe that because they think she's the be all and end all now like we did it you know, we have one woman. Sexism is canceled. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it, and I mean, the Dodgers continue to be cowards about this. Um, you know, Andrew Friedman said, we really know basically as much as you guys know, we're going to kind of sit back and wait for this to conclude. And once it does, obviously, we'll have a lot to say on the matter. I will be waiting to see what you have to say on this matter, sir. <laughs> Yeah. Real yeah. profiles and courage right here. Yeah. Like, like you, you sign the guy and now it's like, oh, I can't do anything. Yeah, you get like that was when they were still planning on starting him. Like, nope, we can't do anything. This is a league decision. Yes, you can. And you're allowed to say that pursuing him was a mistake. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, the he doesn't stop be... way over there. Yeah. And like, he doesn't need to be convicted of criminal charges for you to say, hmm. Maybe that was a bad move on our part and we should rethink our, you know, process for <laughs> for signing free agents or like, you know, deciding what players are a good fit for our ball, our ball club. Like, that doesn't expunge you of responsibility. You can't just be like, oh, we'll wait to see what happens. Because again, you know, that 
the court of public opinion or the like or MLB's investigation does not have to rise to the level of criminal conduct or a, cr- a criminal you know conviction for you to say this dude's a bad dude and this was a bad idea. You already have more than enough evidence for that, even if he is not convicted in, of a crime in the end. Yeah, you could just say he doesn't, you know, fit the standards we hold, uphold as a Dodgers organization, and he will be not pitching for us. There Very easy. But instead, they're just like, oh, let's wait and see what happens. Then we'll have a lot to say. I don't believe you'll have anything to say. Um, and yeah. yeah. Uh, and Stan Kasten um, said that the team was unaware of the previous protective order and Spower, just as a point of information. They say that they did not know about it. Um, and obviously, if they did, if it, if it was revealed that they did know about it, that would be even more damning. But you knew enough. You knew enough. You did not have yeah. to know about this protective order to know that Trevor Bauer was a suspect individual. We, you know, we on the internet knew this. If we on the, if we random people on the internet knew this, you knew this. You didn't care is what you decided. Yeah, the fact that they had to hold a press conference when he was signed was your first clue that, yeah, maybe there's something that's not quite right with this dude. Also, Sandy Alderson didn't care either because he really nope. wanted to sign him, by the way. Again, nope. Sheer luck that the Mets are not the ones in this position right now. Just luck. Sandy Alderson's um, sense of character in the most charitable interpretation um, is not the best. Yeah. Which, you know, was uh, what's ironic about that is that that was always like his judgment of character was always like a thing that was upheld about him because he was like a Marine and, you know, a guy that, yeah. like, you know, yeah. all that stuff. That was always the rhetoric that was used. He was a good judgment of people. He was a good guy and all this mm-hmm. stuff. And, you know, it's like, I don't see it. I don't yeah. see it. Like if you go back and see some of his quotes about Bauer, who boy, really yeah, not him. good. He really was all bad. in. Yeah, yeah. he oh. was absolutely all in. Absolutely all in. And just like he was all in on um Jared Porter. Yep. Mickey Callaway. Mickey Callaway. Yep. And He's hired a lot of people with the same problem. And I'm not ever gonna forget that quote he gave in the athletic when they asked him about this stuff and he acted like they were wasting his time and he got really mad about it. Yes. Was like, why are you even asking me about this? Basically, like that is something that is ingrained in my memory forever now. It's like, oh, you have sent the message that this is not important to you at all, huh? You don't feel bad about this at all. Yeah, like you're not changing any of this, are you? Nope. Nope. Like, you no learn. You learn nothing. You learn nothing. Absolutely nothing. Yeah. I have so. to find. I have to find the Sandy quote because he it's stopped himself. Nuts. No, no, there's this other one where he stopped himself, where he said, basically, it doesn't matter. Oh, here it is. Um, this is an entertainment business. Alderson said, we've got to be open-minded about how players express themselves. That's the thing that the thing that's interesting about Bauer is he brings along with him a lot of ideas, a lot of routines, a sort of technical orientation that I bet we can learn from. If it can, if a guy can perform, it doesn't really. And then he cut himself off. He was going to say, it doesn't matter. 
to me, as long as it's not disruptive in the clubhouse, and basically if guys see someone is performing, they'll live whatever with whatever the baggage yeah. is. Sexual assault is the new market inefficiency. Yep. The sexual assault is baggage, according to Sandy Alderson. Yeah. And, and it it'll, doesn't and it'll, matter. And it'll knock the price down on who you want. Yep. He stopped himself from saying it doesn't matter, but it was clear that he clearly wanted to say yeah. it. And these are the these are the Sandy Allerson quotes from that athletic piece from when the all the stuff came out about the Mets organization. This was after Porter Callaway, all of that. Once, you know, the spotlight was on the Mets and there was more that came out about the toxic culture. This is when we learned about the HR person that was, you know, everyone's worst enemy and everyone was terrified of her, all that stuff. But um, and the assorted other Mets organization employees who were also harassing. There was a hitting coach, a hitting coach. Yes. Just I, I, I feel like I almost forget sometimes just how many separate sexual harassment allegations came out of this one team in one offseason. Yep. And there was a the, lot. The like head of whatever was it comms or something who like bullied the woman who was pregnant like that guy. Yeah, yeah there was a yeah. whole thing. Anyway, this was uh, that a and lot Sandy of that. Sandy Alderson rehired him. Oh, yeah. Rehired him, mm-hmm. brought him back, despite the fact that multiple women told him, like, Don't this is it. not a good idea. This guy's a dick. They brought him back. He brought him back anyway because he didn't care. And he's quoted in this athletic piece a few times. And I mean, uh, all the quotes are bad, but the, the ones that will stick with me for the rest of my life, this one. Let me try to make a point as strongly as I can, okay? Not every instance involving men and women in the workplace is a capital offense, okay? Every time something happens, it doesn't uh, mean someone has uh, to be fired. There are a lot so of mad. there are a lot of intermediate steps that can be taken, and we've done that in a variety of different cases. So, you know, there's that quote, which, you know, basically compared like a man being accused of sexual misconduct as like, you know, a, a freaking firing squad. Um and then there was the literally the very last line of this athletic article. This was the like him acting like it's a waste of his time. Is there ever a statute of limitations on coverage of some of this stuff? He does not take this seriously at nope. all. He does not nope. care. He acts as if the athletic asking him questions about it is a waste of his time. He's not interested in changing. And if these men are continuing to be the ones that are in charge of baseball teams, this is how the culture is going to be. And MLB has decided they're okay with that because they are shaking hands with Barstool. Yep. Pretty much. It's just an inconvenient, like women are inconvenient to them. Yeah, more or less. (sighs) So, you know, we will continue to uh, provide updates on the Bauer situation as it develops. Um, But in the meantime, we will end the show this week with walk-off wins where each of us talks about something that is making us happy this week, <laughs> baseball related or otherwise. Linda Cerovich, what is your walk-off win for this week? Well, my walk, like I mentioned before, I have not been watching the Mets. Um, because <laughs> Which is a walk-off be- win in and of itself. It is. It's a total walk-off win. But a big part of that was because I was in Pittsburgh this past weekend um to go see pnc park which i have never seen and let me tell you city field i'm kind of depressed now after seeing pnc and city field people (laughs) love city field but pnc is just absolutely gorgeous it lives up to the hype um it's right on the water It, it 
I don't even think the TV does it justice because when I got there, I'm like, this isn't how I pictured it. And I just kept repeating that over and over, but I can't articulate how I pictured it and how it actually is. It just, it just wasn't what I was expecting, but in a better way. Um, and then, you know, it's just in a beautiful location with the river right in the back, the Roberto Clemente bridge is right there, which they shut down before the game and then they were having a block party and there was food trucks and music and a band and there were you know then they had all the restaurants were lining the streets so there was people eating outside and it was just this whole like party vibe for the pirates who were terrible and but people were just having a good time and people were showing out too. Like the stadium was packed for this random pirates brewers game. Um, I mean, it was fireworks night. So maybe people just love their fireworks. I don't know, but um, they just really love their pirates. And the, one of the main reasons why I wanted to go is because they serve pierogies in the stadium. Pierogies are the best. That's a really good reason. Yes. I got the pierogi hoagie, which was pierogies on pulled pork with fried onions and barbecue sauce. And it was, we were talking to the guy serving them because there was a bit of a wait and we're like, well, we drove six hours for this. And he goes, Oh, trust me, it'll be worth it. It'll be worth it. And he was (laughs) not wrong. (laughs) Um, So everything, everything, literally everything about this stadium was just perfect and good. And the only thing I didn't like was their bag policy problem. number. Oh no. They're one of the bags. People. Yeah, they're one of the bag people. Ugh. And uh, since I came from New York, I only bought one bag with me. So then I'd go back to the hotel, drop my bag off, and then just walk in with basically my ID and and uh, debit card. But what you know, it was fine. But I was still a little annoyed. And their concourse is a little small, so it felt kind of packed in there. Which you know, during a pandemic, it wasn't the best feeling in the world. Um, but they're all the stadium workers were couldn't be nicer, just everything. Uh, uh, they had the pierogi races, um, that was fun. And they knocked down Bucko, the poor parrot, he got in the way of the pierogi race. <laughs> um, and I have to say also to Polanco, um, we got tickets pretty much right on the field down the third base and down the right field line because it, these tickets probably would have been like $200 if it was at city, but at PNC park, it was only 50. So we're like, why not? Let's splurge. Uh, so Polanco was literally in front of us and he was just so good because the kids would run to the fence and he was just so good with them. He was interacting with them, giving them balls, giving them thumbs up. So I have a whole new appreciation for Polanco too. Um, but yeah, even the whole city itself, um, Pittsburgh itself was, there was so much to do. Um, we went to the zoo. I was not allowed to bring a red panda home, even though I really wanted to steal, <laughs> steal the red pandas. Um, so they had a zoo and aquarium. We went there. We went to the Natural History Museum. We went to the Botanical Gardens. Um, we went out to eat. Um, yeah, I can't, everybody should make PNC. If it's not on your bucket list, put it on your bucket list. 
Um, and then also what also kind of annoyed me was they had four statues outside their stadium when they were all great. And, you know, it just kind of annoyed me how long it took the Will Ponds just to agree to one Seaver statue. Like, you, you know, you kind of learn your history that way. And, you, you know, you're, the greats are never forgotten that way. So I kind of wish City would do more um, to build it up. And just build up the surrounding area because, yeah, it's just, it was just a good time. Even just walking the street before the game was just a good time. Um, and yeah, so definitely, I can't recommend Pittsburgh enough. I can't recommend PNC enough. It gave me a break from the Mets. Um, and I got the best t shirt. We had, we stopped a woman wearing the t-shirt because <laughs> she was already mm-hmm. in the stadium and it said, I'm just here for the pierogies. And it was like four pierogies and they were wearing pirate hats. That's awesome. So we stopped her and asked her where she got it. And she was like, it was a store. It wasn't in the stadium. It was like kind of like down the street from the stadium. So, and I found it. I found my shirt that said, I'm just here for the pierogies. And I'm so excited. And I can't wait to wear it. Because <laughs> literally that's the only reason why I went to Pittsburgh was for the pierogies. Pierogies <laughs> are an all-time great food. That's a good reason for almost anything. Yeah. So pierogies and PNC, excellent combination. So happy I went. And, you know, I kind of want to keep you know getting uh, stadiums off my bucket list so i'm trying to think of what the next one i want to be is but pnc is definitely i mean it's it's doable six hours is doable i mean it's not great sitting in a car for that long but i mean it's close enough where you could absolutely make a good weekend out of it i've been to pnc and it's fantastic oh i loved it so much (laughs) city did I don't want to besmirch City because, you know, that's the home of the Mets, but it's it it does pale in comparison to it. PNC is really good. Um, Maggie Wiggin, what is your walk-off win for this week? Um, so my walk-off win is, um, so my sister is getting married soon, and that will Ooh. certainly be, um, that, that has many walk-off wins. Uh, potential opportunities coming up, but we kind of kicked off the um, wedding season festivities with uh, my mom in Connecticut held a um, a small celebration for her uh, at her house in Connecticut. It was just, it was just lovely. It was the, the weather looked like it was going to be awful. And then it very suddenly wasn't. And we were very grateful for that. Um, there was almost a absolutely massive snafu with the catering and then there wasn't. Um, and it was just, it was a beautiful day. It was a really nice party. I'm so excited for my sister who has had to wait a lot longer for this wedding than most people have had to wait for weddings. Um, and yeah, that's, and yeah, I'm just really happy to be uh, to be celebrating. The kids were there; they were really good. Uh, we had kicked off the weekend together before the party. Uh, we went to Bloomingdale's and and picked out a dress for me to wear to the wedding. So so that's I got a fancy new dress. Nice. Um, and it's just yeah, it's just really I'm so excited for her. So excited for her fiance. Um, yeah, 
good, good wedding-y, happy, fun times. That's very nice. So when's the actual wedding? Um, it's in September. September, it's, I don't know the exact date. It's the middle of September. It is on my calendar along with like eight other dates before and after for various things, but I'm blanking. It's like, it's like the, the second or third week. Well, congratulations to her. Yes. Yes, indeed. Um, my walk-off win this week is pretty simple. Um, Michael and I just went to two breweries over the weekend and it was nice. Um, we visited his grandmother in Falls Church because that's a nice advantage of us living in DC is that his grandmother lives in Falls Church and his family is nearby. And so um, we were able to visit her um, a little bit on Saturday. And then there was a brewery that was like five minutes from where she lives. And so we were like, heck yeah, let's hit that up. And it was a really nice brewery. They do they do like grilled cheeses is like their big food thing. And Ooh. I had a delicious grilled cheese mm-hmm. and it was great. Um, and then we uh, went to one of our favorite DC breweries on Sunday and had a nice time, ate pizza because there's a pizza place at that brewery and the pizza is really good. Um, and it happened to be like d- the, the this brewery that we really like is like right across the street from Nats Park. Um, and we went uh, to the brewery while the game was happening. And that's really fun because we had never done that before. We'd been there like before games and after games, but we had never been there like as a game was happening and you can like really hear the ballpark noise. So like, it's really fun to like sit right outside and be like sipping my beers and eating my pizza. And then like you hear like the whole crowd roar and you're like, up oh, the Nationals just scored. Um, so yeah, it, it was it was just a really nice weekend where we got to try a couple of well try one new brewery and go to one old favorite so that was fun and on the walk back from the brewery on sunday there was a cat a stray cat in the street who came up and befriended us and rubbed itself on us and we got to pet it and it was nice um so yeah pretty simple just i like i like trying new breweries i like going to breweries um we had a nice weekend where we got to do that two days in a row um, and Brian said uh, we were on the, we were on uh, Zoom with Brian uh, before this, planning some th- exciting things we have coming up for you guys. Um, and uh, Brian said uh, to to me, "Do you guys post pictures of breweries that you go to every day just to make me jealous?" Or <laughs> and I was like, "Well, we don't go every day." <laughs> But yeah, we try to go big. Alive. I don't have kids energy right there. Yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> yes, it is. Um, so, yeah, that's that's my walk off win is I, I like good beer and I like going to new breweries and trying them out. Um, so, yeah, um, that does it for the show this week. Um, we still cover the Mets such as they are on AmazingAvenue.com. So you can check out all of that fantastic content, game recaps, analysis pieces. I think Thomas Henderson has something in the works about Brandon Nimmo that you can look out for. I have the meters for you every week. Um, so yeah, all that's still going on on AmazingAvenue.com. You can follow Amazing Avenue on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Amazing Avenue. You can follow this show on Twitter at A Pod of Their Own. You can email the show aa.apodoftheirown at gmail.com. You can follow each of us on Twitter. I am at Petite PhD. Where are you, Linda? At Linda Servich. And you, Maggie? At Maggie162. So you can follow each of us on Twitter. Please subscribe to the podcast, Amazing Avenue Audio, on your favorite podcast app of choice and rate and review the show. It really helps people find it. The original intro and outro music to this podcast is by Bunga. Let's go Mets. And don't forget, there is no crying in podcast.